gets up here. So if you have your Bibles, it'll, it'll also be on the screen. Go ahead and turn to Philippians 1. We're going to be finishing the first chapter today. Philippians 1, verses 27 through 30. Paul said, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you in, uh, see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. This is God's word. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, it is good to be here. Lord, I, I, I think even... Even those uh, those lines uh, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, Lord, it is is just good to do that with uh, with current today. I pray that uh, that you would be great today, and that I would not uh, that uh, that you would become greater, and we all would become lesser. Amen. So I uh, I spent a year in Africa right after my college uh, years, and my parents freaked out, as all parents would would freak out. And one of the first things, or one of, the, one of like the big things they told me to do first when I arrived in Africa, uh, they gave me, I, this is not one of, uh, they gave me like a list of 30 things. One of those things was I had to register at the U.S. Embassy uh, to, to let them know that I was there. And so after a week or so, I, I went to the U.S. Embassy and it was this big fortress and I, I got in there eventually and, and, and they have a, a service where you can register that you're a U.S. citizen. And, and the guy there the guy there had, had me draw, there are, no ad, there are no addresses in Uganda, or at least there weren't at the time, but he made me draw a handwritten map of where my house was. And he didn't tell me what this was for, and I just went away with the assumption that were there to be civil unrest or were things to go you know, pear-shaped, that some Marines would just show up at my house and, and take me back to the States. Well, a few, few months later, uh, I got an email from the ambassador, the United States ambassador to Uganda, which is really cool. It was a mass email of everybody who had put their name on a mailing list, but still cool, uh, inviting me to his house. Hundreds of other people as well, but inviting me to, to his house for Thanksgiving. And so we went over and uh, we had pizza and we watched the Lions game. And here I was thinking like, like, I've never been a really patriotic kind of guy, but like the United States is giving me pizza and is going to send the Marines to get me when, when things go south. Um, after that, I, I went out back. There, there actually are a few Marines stationed there to protect the ambassador, and we, we got to be friends after a while, and they told me that there was no way. In, in any civil unrest, I was completely by myself that, I was not going to, uh, that they were not going to show up. But at the end of the day, like I got pizza out of the deal, and so you know, you know the U.S. Is, was, was cool. Um, we're going to talk today uh, about a much, a much more significant citizenship. Much more significant citizenship with, uh, with much more significant uh, privileges, uh, but, but, uh, but also responsibilities. And, uh, and we're going to be trucking through this, this passage as you guys are going through the book of Philippians. Big picture here. Big picture here. We are at uh, the biggest turning point in the book of Philippians. Right? If we were looking at a recipe, uh, this would be the point at which we turn from the ingredients to the directions. 
right? Uh, or, or, uh, or this is the first game of the season, right, where we've been practicing the fundamentals all through uh, spring and fall camp, and now we're going to put on the pads and get out there on the field and play the game, right? Uh, for the past couple weeks, you guys have been looking at, at these opening paragraphs of Philippians where Paul has just shared a whole bunch of news, right? He's, the, the biggest news is actually old, kind of old news. He's, he's reminding the Philippians about how much... Jesus, right, the Son of God, them, and how much he had, uh, he had cared for them. Actually, actually came as one of us, died on a cross for them. Right, right, right. He just, just really loves them. Paul thinks that this news is so good that he comes up with a genius name for it. He calls it good news. Uh, that uh, that religious folk at some point shortened to the word gospel. Right, and so whenever you read gospel, just just hear good news. Uh, but that's not all that Paul had to share. He, he actually shared some really bad news as well, but potentially devastating news that he had been imprisoned by the Roman Empire, uh, perhaps on death row. Uh, and then in a typically God twist, it turned out that actually precisely because of his imprisonment, uh, he, he, uh, uh, the gospel was actually making great headway in Rome, so that's good news. And, and on top of it all, uh, it, 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 it turns out that that potentially, uh, Paul might be freed. He's, he's actually become increasingly convinced that, uh, that there's so much uh, work left for him to do that, uh, that, that, that he may get out of jail and be able to visit the Philippians. It's all a bit much. What, what are the Philippians to do with, with all this news? And that's exactly our passage today, which is, which is really the setup for the rest of the book. Now we turn to those recipe directions, right? Right now we get out on the field. We're not going to completely leave the news behind. Uh, well, neither Paul nor, nor especially Jesus is. We'll get back to that next week. Am I going to steal that from you, Chris? Uh, one, two, three, four. Good. Good. We're not... Uh, that sounds a little bit better. That, that is good. Uh, yeah, we're not going to uh, completely leave news behind. We're going to talk more about news ne- ne- next week. But from, from this point forward in, in the book, the focus of what Paul's going to have to say is going to be our response to the news. What do we do with all this, this good news and just all the realities of, of this world? That's where we turn from, from verse 27 forward through the rest of the book, right? And, and how do we do it? Right, uh, we, we might imagine that with all that news, there's a there's uh, there's such a bounty, right, of of responses. There's a whole laundry list, but actually, actually, Paul's got one, right, and that's our that's our first word in today's passage. It's a bit obscured in the NIV, but you'll 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 see it in any other version. It starts he starts with the word only, right. He actually kind of boils it down to to, to one thing. Um, those of you got oh, those of you guys oh j- just about all of us who who learned to drive at one point, you remember just how. Um, just how awful that, that first drive was because uh, whether it was a driver's ed teacher or a parent or, or um, uh, you know, wh- whoever we could, could script into teaching us how to drive, uh, uh, they, they, they went through a whole bunch of things that we were supposed to remember, right? You're, you're supposed to keep your foot on the brake and then gently take it off, apply the accelerator, check your mirrors, right? Look, 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 look around, put it in gear, all, 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 all these things. And it's just, it's just impossible to remember. My dad eventually gave up. I was not a very good uh, student. Uh, my dad eventually gave up and he just said, look where you want to drive. And then it just became simpler to me, right? Like that's, that's how you drive, right? You just look where you want to drive and you drive. Okay, that's what Paul's doing here. He's going to boil down how we respond to the good news of Jesus. 
only, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Um, quick translation hiccup to, to deal with here, this whole uh, uh, let your manner of life thing. It's not a bad translation, but it does, it does go kind of one step from, from what Paul eventually or originally wrote. And, and it, it, it translates actually one word which was really important to the Philippians. It's the word for, for citizenship. Right, uh, and he makes it into a verb to live at, as a citizen. It's the same root uh, that we're going to see later in chapter three, verse twenty. Right, but our citizenship is in heaven. That's that's the same word there. And and citizenship, citizenship was was a big deal to the Philippian church. Right, you remember uh, you remember that. Philippi is in, is in Greece, both ancient and, and modern. You can go to Philippi today. Uh, but Greece at, at the time, like the whole Mediterranean world, had been, had been subjugated by the Roman Empire, right? This, this relatively small group of central Italians had, had, had conquered the whole Mediterranean Empire. And so everybody was subjects. But, but there's this Emperor Augustus, and, and you know, a few decades before, he had won a big victory at, uh, right outside of Philippi. And he was so thrilled, right? He's so pleased with his whole victory that in a, in a, you know, a, a fit of generosity, he had declared the Philippians to all be citizens of Rome. Okay, so that's what's different about the Philippians than, than any other church that, that Paul writes to other than the, the, the church in Rome, right, is that they are citizens of Rome. It means that though they lived in Greece, they had the, the legal privileges and, and responsibilities as Romans, right? They were almost resident aliens in their own homeland as their ultimate allegiance and identity came from the empire whose citizenship they had taken up. That's the concept that Paul is, is drawing on here, this idea of, of citizenship. That's the only. To Paul, the Philippians are not primarily Greeks by birth or by culture or by language or by ethnicity. And they're not primarily Romans by law or by fiat or by inheritance. To Paul... To Paul, the Philippian believers are called to respond to the news of Jesus Christ by living as citizens of an entirely different kingdom, right, of heaven itself. They're Christians. That was, that, that's his point there with the whole worthy of the gospel of Christ part. Right now, obviously, there is, there is no one who could live in such a fundamentally amazing way that, that she could ever be worthy of, right, that, that she could deserve the gospel of Christ. Those of you guys who, who know Paul know that's the last thing from his mind here. He's pointing here to a citizenship in a kingdom that was formed by that same good news, a kingdom whose walls were literally torn down while Jesus hung on the cross. And, and so, so the only part of it, right, the only, the citizenship, how, how, do, how do we do it? How do we respond to that good news? Well, well, Paul's, Paul's going to have a little bit more to say today. We're going to talk about it, and you guys are going to be talking about it for weeks because the rest of this, of this book is about how we respond, how we live as citizens. But surely, surely the very first way that we respond right, is to become citizens, God is calling us to become naturalized citizens 
of his kingdom. There, there is no history of heaven test to take. There's no pledge of allegiance to, to recite. It's not a ritual, but there is a new identity to take up, and there's a new king to worship, and there's a new life to lead. Uh, my mother has been in the States for 35 years now, and she, she is not a citizen. She, she doesn't want to get naturalized. Um, and, and I think she's got various reasons for her, for it. A lot of her identity is wrapped up uh, in, in, in where she's from. Um, she's always got a get-out-of-jail-free card, right? right? She, 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 can, she, she can go back, and I mean, maybe, it's, maybe she just doesn't trust the United States government. Uh, can't imagine why, right? right? What, what, uh, but but, but she, she, she doesn't want to become a, a citizen. What is it that is holding us back? From the kingdom of heaven. Okay, but if, uh, if becoming citizens is the first way to live as citizens, Paul moves on to much more. Uh, the next way that, that we live as citizens of heaven uh, it is, is in our union with the Holy Spirit, we're going to break all this down, but it's in our union with the Holy Spirit expressed in the unity of the church. All right? And that's what he's getting at at the next part of our text. Whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that are, you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. You know, that, that whole uh, one spirit, or at least the spirit part of that, that probably should be capitalized in, in our translations. Uh, Greek doesn't have any capitals. Uh, as, as in almost every, oh, no, sorry, not almost every single time that Paul uses that language, he's actually talking about the Holy Spirit. Like, like, like in Ephesians 2.18, he, he does it a lot, right? For through him we both have access in one spirit. That's the Holy Spirit to the Father. Okay, what? What or, or who is the Holy Spirit? Uh, honestly, we as a contemporary church do a fairly lousy job of talking about the Holy Spirit, um, and, and that's, that's got a lot of historical reasons uh, to it. There are some churches that are so fixated on the Holy Spirit that, that you, you, know, you, you start to forget that there's the whole God the Father, God the Son part, and then other churches, uh, you, you, you detect like any sign of the Holy Spirit at, at work in that church, right? And it's, it's, it's just skepticism and, and <laughs> condemnation of uh, like borderline satanic stuff, right? Um, and, and, and part of that, I'm convinced, is just a really bad decision that the first English translators had to, to translate this word as the Holy Ghost, right? Um, and I just don't know in what universe, even like 1611, like how that was helpful, right? Because either like the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost is the really creepy part of God that like floats around or it's like some helpful Casper figure that tells you to go to church or something like that. It's, it's the, whole, the Holy Spirit. We're just bad at talk about the Holy Spirit. The, whole, uh, the Holy Spirit is, is, is God, right? God himself. Uh, uh, the Holy Spirit is a, is a person. There's a lot of mystery in there. That's, that's why we were singing holy, 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 right? God in three persons. There's a whole lot of mystery in there. But there's a whole lot we're not going to get our head around. But the Bible does tell us that God the Father, God the Son, send the Holy Spirit to be our comforter and to be our helper and to be our empowerer. Uh, not in some external, you know, sideline coaching kind of encouraging kind of way, but, 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 but Paul says here is that we can stand firm in 
in one spirit. Elsewhere we learn that the Holy Spirit fills us and enables us to trust God and to follow Him. And Paul's particular point here about our, our union with the Spirit is that, is that there, it has a very practical outworking right? Uh, in, in, in the church. It's, it's not some, some personal decision that we make right? to, to, to unite with the Holy Spirit or, 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 or some one-on-one relationship. It, it involves other Christians. Right? There's an element of having some sort of baseline mutual agreement, right? right? That's the whole, whole one mind thing. And, and, then, and then significantly, there's the, there's the what we do together. That's the, that's the whole striving side-by-side side together bit. And honestly, that, that part of Christianity, faith, spirituality, whatever, that part can be really disappointing, right? That, that's the part that always lets us down. I, I, was, I was just talking with a buddy this, this past week, and, and he's, he's left the church. I love him to death, and the Lord's going to be after him, but he's, he's left the church. He left the church the past couple years, uh, and, 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 and he left, he, he left for, for reasons that are not unique to him, and, and, and maybe some of us uh, feel them today or, or, or have felt them. He, uh, he, 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 you know, he was discouraged by the corporate culture of church, he, he was really distrustful of the, the various political bents uh, of the church. Uh, he, he identified uh, very easily, as, as all of us will, the hypocrisy in the church. He, he, like loads of us, thinks that the church is great, except for all the flipping Christians in it. And so he, he's decided, and he won't be uh, the last to, to leave and, and, and aim at, at, at a more pure, a, a, more, a, a more spiritual uh, uh, relationship or, or seeking, right? And, and it's really attractive, isn't it? That, that idea of like, Lord, I want you, right? These clowns, right? I want, I, want, I want you, and it's attractive, and it's clean, and it's uncomplicated. And the living God doesn't do clean. It's not what he does. If you read the Bible, it's a dirty book. Living God doesn't do uncomplicated. The living God, living God makes his home in the mess around us today, and even in the most spiritual language of the Bible, the language of the Holy Spirit. Right? Forget that Jesus character, right? He messed around with humans, but I'm talking like Holy Spirit. Even when it comes down to the Holy Spirit we see that that language is grounded in having one mind with the Christian sisters and brothers in this room, striving together with them. Christian unity is, is not the realm of popes and patriarchs and interdenominational councils and accords, right? Paul, Paul didn't have any, any thought about that when he was writing to the Philippians. And, and, and we should never start thinking about Christian unity, you know, oh, oh the important people will take, part, part, uh, take care of that. Christian unity, right, union with the Spirit is about this room. It's about the mess in this room, and it's about the relationships in this room and with those that, that, that we know. It's about actively seeking out one another's welfare and not just assuming that everything's okay because we got a grin during the welcome time. 
Christian unity is, is about thinking in our hearts right now and identifying in our minds right now. You could tune out for the rest, rest of the sermon if right now you spend the rest of the time thinking, who is it in this room that, I, that I've, got my, I've got some bitterness in my heart towards? I've got some resentment, some entitlement. Christian unity is about actively forgiving those people, choosing to live in grace with them, even at the expense of, of our own rightness or, or sense of fairness. Whatever it is that I hold against my sister, right? and, and those of you who, who know me know that I'm not a, an amazing person, so I'm probably wrong anyway, but whatever it is that I hold against my sister, Jesus doesn't. Jesus forgave her. And here I am sitting in judgment on her. He nailed it to the cross. He took it away. And in return, he gave both her and me his spirit. All right, last word on, on citizenship for today. Uh, although, although this passage, as I said, is really an introduction for the rest of Philippians, so there's plenty more to talk about through the coming weeks. God calls us to live as citizens of heaven by living in union with Jesus Christ, even including his suffering. That's our last couple of verses. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Uh, just as God, God calls us into union with the Spirit, so he calls us into union with his Son. We'll see this again and again as you read the New Testament. There's a key phrase which is repeated hundreds of times, and, and if you haven't noticed it before, you will now. You will see the phrase, in Christ, right? In Christ, right? And, and, that's, and that's the phrase, which, which is a tiny, tiny little phrase. In fact, it's actually usually only one word, uh, but, but it's, it talks about this great gathering, this great gathering both here and, and, and in eternity of all of God's people into his son. That's a spiritual concept, of course, but the Bible um, does hardly ever talks about it in some sort of mystical way, right? Usually it's a really practical, really, really, really you know, gritty, right, and, and, and real way. So, so Ephesians uh, 1, we, we get that uh, in Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, that in him we have obtained an inheritance, that in him we were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And, and that's, the, that's the passage I wanted to preach on. That's a really good passage. Uh, I, I get this, right? Right? the worst not-only language ever. This is, this is usually the language of cheesy daytime uh, show TV ads, right? right? But if you call in the next 15 minutes, right, not only will we send you the patent-pending really-sucks vacuum cleaner, right, but we'll also, right, not, you know, not only, but, but also we'll send you these four flathead screwdrivers for free, right, uh, plus, plus shipping and handling, right? Uh, uh, incredibly... Paul is, is the only person in history who managed to, manages to be less compelling than those ads, right? Not only do you get to believe in Jesus, right, but also you, you get to suffer for his sake, right? And, and, and part of this is, is just real talk, right? Paul doesn't do salesmanship, 
right? Uh, there's never any sugar coating. There's never any baited switch with, with Paul, right? He, he, uh, he, he, he was, uh, yeah, he really needed uh, to learn at some level about being seeker sensitive, right? Uh, uh, choosing, ch- choosing, choosing to live as citizens of heaven was almost assuredly going to put the Philippian believers in conflict with their responsibilities and expectations as citizens of Rome. There was almost assuredly going to be a tension there. That's what he's writing about. In fact, one of the men in the audience, right, in the congregation who is listening to Paul's letter first being read aloud, you know where that guy met Paul? He was, he was the jailer when Paul was locked up in Philippi for proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. And, and while a jail cell may, may not necessarily be waiting for all of us tomorrow, all of you can vouch better than me that, that proclaiming Jesus' name, that, that practicing God's values, that, that holding on to His truths, uh, uh, do, the, these things do not give us a competitive advantage in the workplace. Right? The, these things are not the key to social advancement. Our citizenship in heaven will always be in tension with our residents here, here on earth, often at, at great personal cost. But that doesn't explain the, the not only but also language here. Right? These verses don't really have the, the feel of the whole, like, you know, uh, put your head down and your, your hands over your neck kind of language. These, these verses are not... Now, the tone of them is, is not, it's not that they're bracing us for impact. There's almost a joy here, isn't it? It has been granted to you. It's been a gift to you, not only, but also. And the belief I get, right, right that, yeah, that, that, that's a gift, but the suffering, in what way is that a gift? When you guys get to chapter 3, you're going to explore this in, in a bit more detail, but, but let me give you a little taste here. It's got everything to do, it's got everything to do with intimacy. There is a bond. There's a bond among fans of the Detroit Lions that no one else will ever understand at a heart level. Right, right. There there is no other there is no other fan base in the universe where a star player will retire, will quit at the peak of his prime because the organization is so terrible and the fans go, boy, well, good for him, right? He got out while he could, right? right? There, there's, there, there's, right? We, just, we just know each other, right? And, and on the serious side, there, there is a bond among, among cancer survivors and sufferers that those of us who haven't had the disease can, can only appreciate and approximate from the outside. And likewise with Christ. The Philippians would know their Lord so intimately because the same empire that crucified him would, would months from now be hunting them down house to house. And in the same way, they would know their friend and father, Paul, so much the closer to, as he, as he says in verse 30. Each time we suffer today for the sake of Christ and his gospel, we lean just a little bit more on him and, and on each other. 
we experience more of who he is. We experience more reality and, and profundity to our Christian relationships. And, and we experience more of that awesome grace that sustains us all. Now, were you mocked among your friends or at work this week for believing in truths that are thousands of years old? Those stories of Jesus' treatment among his peers won't seem so ancient and distant anymore. Have, have you experienced loneliness because of your conviction that, 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 that the Lord wants you to marry only a Christian? Christ alone and abandoned on the cross becomes less of an abstract picture, doesn't it? And you guys know of a brother who at times has struggled even do it to stand at this music stand to teach God's word, the son of God. Jesus, Jesus couldn't, couldn't carry his, his cross to the top of that hill. But there is a reason that he walked up that hill and there is a reason that he suffered such abuse and rejection from his own. He, he gave his life to open up a kingdom he gave his life to throw open the doors to a promise that cannot be taken away and a, and a life with him that will never end. Let us today live as citizens of that, that kingdom, choosing him as our king and living in union with God's spirit, God's son, and God's people. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, this is the day that, that you have made. It's a day to rejoice. It's a day to be glad. It's a day to be sober as well. It's a day to remember that, that in some ways this is our home. We live here. But in many ways this is not our home. That our citizenship is in a different land, a different kingdom, and we are awaiting that, that, that land. Lord Jesus, in... in, in in the not yet time, in, in, the, in the before time, the, the in-between time. Lord Jesus, unite us with your spirit and your church. Lord, teach us, teach, us, teach us and give us a heart for the hard work of reconciliation and sacrifice and, and love amongst our, our sisters and brothers. Lord Jesus, unite us with your Son even, Lord, we quail to pray for it because we know you may answer it, even in his sufferings, that in his sufferings we might know him, his grace and his resurrection. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.